Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, this is Kara Wagland from TSN, and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. So you were raised in Cambridge, Ontario. Tell us a little bit about that growing up in Cambridge. Yeah, I was actually born in Mississauga, but only stayed there until I was about in grade two. And then my family moved to Cambridge, spent most of my life in Cambridge. It's a, a pretty blue collar town. It was awesome. Like it was very active, a lot of uh, local sports, minor sports, that sort of thing. So I grew up playing basketball and volleyball through my whole life. My brother played hockey and baseball. So my mom was a nurse and worked shift work quite a bit so I kind of got trucked along to all my brother's hockey games and baseball games and one of my earliest memories is my dad teaching me how to properly score a baseball game just so that he didn't have to worry about keeping an eye on me worrying that I was running around getting into mischief so he would sit me down in a little fold-up chair and I was probably I don't know seven years old and would give me the little score pad and I would keep score of his baseball game so that he didn't have to worry about me getting into mischief so I did a lot of sports growing up and then after high school, went to uh, University of Guelph, had always planned on being a lawyer, did my, my undergrad in pre-law, and then graduated and decided that was not the route for me, and then decided to go into journalism, which is a little bit of a weird turn. And I kind of decided to do that by sat down. I mean, I feel like a lot of people, when they graduate university, they don't really know where to go. I feel like most people that I've kept in touch with. No one really goes into what you studied in school. And, and so you get at a university and you think, I have this degree. Someone should give me a six-figure job. This is going to be awesome. And no one does. That's not how it works. So I sat down at a computer. And when I don't even know if Workopolis is still a thing. But literally wrote down the first 100 jobs that sounded interesting to me. And all but, I think, three of them needed a journalism background. So that kind of shifted me into journalism. And from there, I did a, a post-grad in journalism at Sheridan. And then out into the world and doing all the usual internships and working for free and working your way to get towards what you want to do. The other thing I want to mention too is when you mentioned about the criminology background, it, it's it's funny because usually sometimes I would figure that if your parents in nursing or sometimes your parents would force you into that route, was nursing ever on the, on the table? No, I mean, the closest I kind of got was when I wanted to go into law, the avenue that I wanted to go into was forensic psychology. So that, that's when I kind of decided not to, to take that career path because it would have been, you know, another so many years of school for law school and another so many years of school to get a doctorate. And I was like, I don't want to be, you know, in my 40s and just kind of starting my career. So that's when I kind of decided to shift. But no, my mom, I mean, she loved her job, but nursing is definitely a challenging job. Hats off to all the nurses out there. I mean, she worked long hours, shift work. She worked in pediatrics for probably 20 years. So that's a very tough job. And then shifted over to dialysis. So there was never a push at all to get into medicine. I think they would have been happy if I did, but we were always supported, but never uh, pressured to do anything other than what we kind of took the lead as being our interest. 
And that's awesome. The the other thing that you kind of mentioned there that I thought was really interesting because we've actually interviewed a few TSM personalities. And I think Natasha was another one that said that I think she went to school for business or she was working in a, uh, a business firm and then just decided that it wasn't for her. And then she went back and did, I believe, journalism or sports journalism as well. So it's kind of like what you mentioned, the first career you think isn't always going to be the career that maybe you're best suited for or that you want. And that seems to be, I feel like that seems to be the trend nowadays. I mean, at the time, like people like Natasha and I, we were kind of late bloomers. So we were going back to school when, you know, people that we were competing with for jobs were, you know, four and five years younger than us because this was now not quite a second career, but a second schooling for us. Whereas I feel like that's becoming more of a norm now. Either what you come out of school for or go to school for, you don't necessarily go into work for. Or if you do, you work that career path for a few years but it seems to be careers aren't really spanning more than 10 years now. And then people are kind of shifting and shifting gears into another avenue. And, and people are having two or three career paths throughout their their time, which never was a thing when you think about what our parents did. They, they picked one career path and that was it. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it's weird to think about it because I have a communication and media background and a sports journalism background. But yet I've been told I'm great with kids. So it's almost like on one hand, you could be a sports journalist <laughs> you or you could be a clown or a comedian. So it, it's it's interesting. Or a sports coach. Or a sports coach. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's true as well. You began your career volunteering for a news channel before taking a paid position in Ontario at one of CTV's affiliates. Uh, tell us what, what was the groundbreaking work that they made you do as a volunteer? So when I was volunteering, I actually worked at Rogers TV in Mississauga and Peel region. So that was my first volunteer job. Well, I did an internship right out of school at, at Sun TV at a, a show called The Grill Room that doesn't exist anymore. And that was like a one-month internship. That was the first thing I ever did at a school in the industry. And that was just so cool to be around a show. Like I, I, I don't think I contributed at all in that role, but I did everything from like makeup for guests to printing scripts to rolling prompter like it was very introductory but it was just really cool to see how it all worked and how it all got put together and then i got a job volunteering so still i still can still consider a job even though i wasn't getting paid uh and i worked at rogers tv in peel region for three years and i hosted an ohl hockey show called peel sports and that focused around the brampton battalion who were in brampton at the time and at the time the mississauga well started as st mike's majors and then the steelheads and that was awesome because it was covering hockey. I loved junior hockey. It was a studio show. It had the opportunity to go out and report every now and then. But, I mean, a lot of people reporting is where you start and then you get into anchoring. I never really liked reporting. <laughs> I kind of always hated it. So I was lucky that I didn't have to do a whole lot of it. But at the same time, I'm glad I did some of it because it's definitely something you need to be able to do. So I did that for three years. And that was just awesome. I worked with amazing people. Andre Fente was my co-anchor and he was just like the most amazing kind person to work with. And I had a great producer who had worked in the industry forever and a guy named Ryan Dunn who taught me so much. Like he was just, talk about doing everything in the industry. He, he could sit down and edit something. He could produce the show. He could host the show. So learning from him was awesome. So that was probably like, there's definitely times where you felt like you were being thrown into the deep end. But at the same time, I feel like volunteering at somewhere like Rogers TV or that sort of thing, that's where you are supposed to be thrown into the deep end because you're not in front of a national audience. You're not, you know, having millions of people watching you. And it's okay to make some mistakes. And people understand at that level that if you're not completely polished, that's okay. That's where you're supposed to be. So there was a lot of times where, you know, prompter went down or you got the old direction in your ear of just keep talking. 
<laughs> you're like, what am I supposed to keep talking about? But that's where you learn it. And I, it's kind of sad now that a lot of those stations have disappeared and cutbacks have, have forced those small sports markets out because that's really a good learning ground for so many people. And then from there, I volunteered at a small station called Studio 12 in Oshawa. And that only was for a few months. Actually, that was something that Kate Burnett had hooked me up with. She had worked with a producer, a Rogers TV in Oshawa, to kind of cut her teeth and get her reps. And he had been instrumental for her. So at that time, I was working behind the scenes at TSN and gotten to know some people and, and was still working towards getting on air. And a few people like her and Jay Onright really became mentors for me. And I said, look, I'm looking to take the next step, but I feel like I've been hosting this show for Rogers TV for a while, and it hasn't really pushed me anywhere yet to where I want to be. Uh, what do you suggest? And she was the one who said, look, like you need to do some more reporting. You've been doing all anchoring. So she pushed me into this other role with Studio 12 where it was solely reporting. And I would go out and put together reporter packages and, and different stories, and that's really where I learned start to finish how to do a reporter piece and worked with a great producer in Oshawa for a few months and and he was giving he gave me so much freedom just to do whatever story kind of interested me and however I wanted to do it and that really helped build my resume to a place where okay now I'm ready to go out and actually tell somebody I'm ready for you to pay me to do work and that was kind of my last volunteer job before I got hired and actually paid to do it. <laughs> I really thought that was interesting that you mentioned about Caperness and Jay Onright like kind of becoming mentors to you. My biggest question was, where was Dan O'Toole at this time? Where was Dan? And, and, <laughs> Dan O'Toole. And where was he Duffy? Was there. <laughs> and where was James Duffy? James Duffy's supposed to be like the father of TSN. He is, for sure. James <laughs> is awesome. I always work, so when I first started at TSN, I worked on what we call the row. So that's kind of behind the scenes. There's this big long row in the back of the newsroom where all the men and women it who kind of cut the highlights and write the copies and do that kind of thing so while i was volunteering for rogers i got a, a job a paid job working on a row at tsn which was a great place to kind of learn the show and learn how to write for tv and all these kind of things and that's where i met jay and dan and they worked in the newsroom it's funny now because now that i've worked with with dan on air there's this this whole thing where people think i hate dan and i really don't dan is actually a good friend he's uh he's been awesome but there's just certain people that you, you click with when you're just getting started. And, and Jay actually reached out to me and kind of approached me and said, hey, I hear you want to be on air. And he had the experience of people paying it forward for him and helping him along the way. And he's always been great about kind of turning around and saying, okay, I see something in you. I see potential in you. And you're a hard worker. So I want to help you. And he was awesome, instrumental in helping me. He made phone calls without me even asking him to do so just to try and get my name out there and get people to give me a shot so that was helpful kate also like i said hooking me up with producer that she worked with to try and get my foot in the door there and i mean rod smith was i i have to mention rod smith because he is kind of the the papa bear of the newsroom to this day is still one of my biggest mentors and and we touch base quite frequently just to check in and and i couldn't respect him more and he's been probably my biggest cheerleader as far as helping me push my career forward. James is amazing. I love James, but he works on the other side of the building <laughs> in the makeup room where every now and then I get to cross over into the hockey side. And he's great. He'll send me little notes every now and then about things that he enjoys that I do and, and we'll, we'll stay in touch. But yeah, when I was working in the newsroom, I never got the opportunity to work with any of the hockey guys because they were always, you know, a 15-minute walk away. 
No, absolutely. I just think it was funny because, like I said, is I've I've reached out to James and had James on the show and Jay on right, and like when you when you talk to them, they're very laid back, but it's almost like they're moonlight agents in a way. When behind the scenes, like they do their sports, but hearing the stories that you're telling me, it's almost like as soon as sports are done, they're like, "All right, let's figure out what we got to do for this person. Let's figure out like let's get this person's foot in the door." It's such a family atmosphere. I never, I always assumed that it would be far more competitive especially given where the industry has gone. Like, there aren't a lot of jobs out there, so there are a lot of people looking for very few jobs and a lot of people who have a lot of experience at this point because there's been so many layoffs over the last few years. But it wasn't at all what I expected. It was such a family atmosphere where everyone kind of looks out for everyone and if something comes your way that isn't right for you, but it might be right for someone else, you pass it on to them. And I was really, really pleasantly surprised. And just the way that people were willing to put you in contact with people and and help you get to where you want it to be because as much as we're in the same industry, even now, it's something I notice in the newsroom. As much as, you know, there's so many hosts and, you know, we're all looking for opportunities, not every opportunity is going to be right for every person. And so everyone's kind of taken this approach of we don't have to be in competition with each other. There's room for all of us to do well. There's opportunities for all of us. And let's all help each other so that we can maximize those opportunities for all of us. And it's been a really pleasant surprise of how the atmosphere all works. And I think that largely is because of the people at the top of the kind of food chain who have set the tone. And those being the James Duthies, the Jennifer Hedgers, the Darren Detitians, those are the people that I work more directly with now. And they've kind of set the tone and said, look, this is how we're going to operate. And everyone kind of falls in line under them. So there is no cattiness. There is no kind of competitiveness towards the dark side that way because they just don't allow it. Like that's just not how they want the shop to be run. That's great to hear. Now, I mean, it would be a little bit enjoyable if there was a little bit of cattiness on TV. Even if it was just <laughs> acting. Sure it I mean, from from a wrestling fan, I mean, I, I enjoy a good a good storytelling aspect you didn't of it. Love a good heel. Yeah, it would just be hilarious to see, like you know, you and Lindsay doing highlights, and all of a sudden, just it just breaks off the mold, and then they just go into a complete sketch. But it is what it is. <laughs> I grew up watching TSN. I grew up watching Jay and Dan to begin with when I was in high school, and then I believe it was Kate and Natasha for a bit as well and mm-hmm. now when i turn on the tv when i was in newfoundland it's basically some nights it's you and Lindsay, and i call that the dream team of broadcasting oh, okay so we like we, we really enjoy it because it's like two different kind of perspectives but they they clash together like it seems very chummy seems very friendly but at the same time as you get your highlights so it kind of it's almost like in our version a female version of jay and dan if that makes oh, okay. sense i'll take that as a compliment, not as yeah. your first time working with Lindsay, because I know Lindsay comes with a bit of a Disney background as well. Mm-hmm. So were you ever concerned about that background? Not like in a mean way, but like just making sure, because I know she had a bit of sports in there as well from doing it with, I believe, the Marleys as well. But yeah, what was I worked it? with MLSC for a while and Family Channel, yeah. Yeah. So what was it like working with her? And were you kind of interested in the Disney side of things as well when you were communicating with her? I had no idea. I mean, that's part of the great part of of this industry is everyone kind of came with these weird mm-hmm. work paths and, and journeys. And I never even would have thought of taking that career path. And it's so interesting to talk to someone who, who did. And it's, I mean, each of us kind of had a different career path, whether we had to move out West to small little towns or, or volunteer or work in other areas in the industry and then cross over into sports. And I think it's really cool. I think her path especially has made her so polished Especially, I mean, she's in her 20s, so a lot of the rest of us are are a fair bit older than her. And you wouldn't know that because 
she's just so polished. And I think that comes from she's been on TV for, I think, since she was in, you know, 17, 18 years old. So she's grown up in that industry and you can, it really comes across that way. I've really enjoyed working with her. Like it's, it's just easy. It's so easy. And I mean, I hosted the 5pm sports center for three years and that was a solo hosted show. So I was really excited uh, when I, when that show disappeared to go back into the night shows because getting to go back to a co-host show was something that I always really enjoyed. I like having someone to play off of and to talk to and the camera can only laugh so much mm-hmm. at your jokes. So it's nice to have a co-host again. And to be back in nights and to be doing highlights and, and things like that. Never any concern. I mean, we've been together since February now as the 1 a.m. team, Monday to Friday. Uh, it's just easy. We have very different personalities, which I think works really well. I wasn't sure because sometimes I can have a little bit of an edgy side to my comedy. <laughs> I wasn't sure how she would pick up on that. But I think it really works because we kind of make fun of each other and we kind of, we jaw a little bit. And I always get on her back about she never swears. Like it's, I've actually started swearing less because I'm with her so much. And so it's kind of always a, okay, Lindsay earmuffs situation because I just feel so bad anytime I drop an F-bomb or anything around her. So it's we've gotten these running jokes kind of going now. And anytime something like that pops up in the show, it's like, you know, don't, don't listen, Lindsay. Like, <laughs> she's very um, almost wholesome, which I love about her. And she brings so much to the show that way. And, and then I can kind of just, tweak that situation a little bit like I like to do. So I think it works really well. We've had a lot of fun together and it's great. Anytime you work with someone who knows their sports like she does, like it, it makes it easy. You don't have to worry about throwing someone curveballs. You can just free flowing conversation. You know, that they're going to follow along with you. And she's just so solid. Uh, it's, it's rare to work with someone who makes a few mistakes as she does, which kind of makes you step up your game as well, because you don't want to be the one making the mistakes. Let's talk about your first time at TSN, your first time hosting. Did you have a lot of butterflies? Were you nervous? Oh, of course. I think you're nervous every time you do something new for the first time. Like still to this day, if I get assigned to do a new show or a new assignment, something I haven't done before, I'll still have some nerves leading into it. And I mean, Rod Smith kind of gave me the best advice that I've had to date when it comes to that sort of thing. And he kind of said, he likened it when he did play-by-play for the London Olympics for swimming. And he said, you know, you go over there and you, you have anxiety, you're nervous, and you can do one of two things. You can let it own you or you can turn it into productive energy. And he talked about how being nervous ahead of his first play-by-play gig at the, at the Olympics. And he stayed up all night and he couldn't sleep. And you can lay there and let it drive you crazy or you can get up and keep prepping and turn it into a productive energy. And so that's kind of the route that I've chosen to take when things do make me a little nervous or a little anxious ahead of a first time doing something is just keep prepping because the more you prep and the, and the more work you do, the better you're going to feel about it. And then you kind of know you're ready when you're no longer nervous about it. So you just kind of have to harness that energy into something a little more positive, a little more productive. But no, it's been, it was good. Like it was, I mean, I kind of got thrown in. So my first show ever was with Brian Mudrick who is now a dear friend of mine, and he's he was awesome. He just knows the right n- number of curveballs to throw you to test you, which is fun because you never know. He, he kind of got to be on your toes when you're hosting with him because you never know what he's going to throw your way or when he's just going to let you take the reins, and it can be a lot of fun. It really tests and how good you are at your job. But I did like 20 sports centers in the first two weeks that I was there and then went right into U.S. Open, which was like we expanded to the five feeds and we had never done anything like that before. It was a control show on all five feeds and you're kind of quarterbacking that. And I had never done anything like that before. So that was a little nerve wracking. But you just 
you work through it and you, you trust that you have a good team around you. And when you're nervous, just keep prepping. That's all I can say. Let's get into a little bit more of the, the fun side outside of TSM because I know you enjoy keeping active on your profile, like the social media. You use it as mm-hmm. a platform to connect with your fans and snaps behind the scenes of TSM. Like I know you had a few there with Lindsay Hamilton and whoever you're hosting with, which I, I think is really cool. I also know though on Twitter sometimes, and I'm not, not going to be mean about it or any picky, but I, I think you like to give a few jabs or a little bit of a fun joke with some people at TSM like O-Dog. Oh, yes. (laughs) So kind of explain that to me. Like, is that just a part of your personality or is it just like, you know, do you ever have to go over to someone after you tweet and say, listen, it's only a joke? Or do you feel like you're safe enough to do that? No, I think you kind of only broach that stuff with people you're close enough with that you they will get. O-Dog is is one of my closest friends at TSN and the Overdrive guys I've really fallen in with. They're um, three of my closest friends now in the industry. So... You kind of only go that road with people you know you can go that road with. But yeah, that's a, that's definitely the relationship I have with O-Dog, where we just kind of take shots at each other. But yeah, you can have some fun. I mean, I think the biggest thing with social media is don't try to be someone you're not. And like, I have a pretty playful, kind of cutting personality where I like to take jabs at people, and <laughs> I'm, I'm only going to do that in good fun and to people that I know are okay with it and that can come back at me with stuff. So I would never kind of cross a line with someone. And there's obviously you have to be appropriate. But yeah, just if you're yourself and you're, you stay true to your personality and what you would say to somebody in person, you're never going to go wrong on social media. You did say you were involved in so many sports and you enjoy uh, baseball. You were a big fan of the Blue Jays. Not the greatest season that they had this <laughs> year. Great. But like what other f- fans of sports are you like I know when the NFL one of the thing is one of the famous things that I, I find with one of your interviews is I think you did an interview with Ray Lewis um. and he made you do the dance and you were kind of at first a little bit of against it because of your team that you go for but you ended yeah. up doing it yeah. so you know was I, I guess you know it would look bad if you didn't because he came in but you know how fun was it to kind of interview these people Oh, that was one of the best parts of my job when I worked. When I did the 5 o'clock sports and I got the opportunity to do a lot of these big interviews with these amazing athletes. And it was great. I mean, yeah, I'm standing there as a Steelers fan going, I'm going to take so much heat for this if I do the Ray Lewis dance. But, I mean, you kind of got to put that aside when you're doing your job a little bit. But he was he was a lot of fun. I mean, anytime you get someone who kind of lets loose and has some fun with you about things, that's that's always the goal is to, to bring them out of just their the normal Q&A kind of structure and have a little fun with the conversation but I would say yeah for football I'm a Steelers fan I'm a huge Jays fan the Jays and the Georgetown Hoyas are probably the two fans or two teams that I'm most staunchly associated with I, I remember March Madness was the first sports tournament I ever got into I remember gosh watching that I would sit on the couch for couple weeks straight and just watch that tournament growing up it's funny i grew up a a pacers fan because there was no team in toronto and i loved reggie miller and then slowly over the years as the raptors kind of came to toronto and and took a little hold and then the we the north marketing really dragged me in and i would say now i'm officially a raptors fan as of the last few years but i still i still like to see the pacers do well but it's it's tough to get pacer games in our our area so I don't get to watch a ton of them but yeah I'd say those are the teams that I mainly cheer for and I I mean it's funny because a lot of people talk about how they don't like their affiliations to come through on camera but I think it's great to be a fan on camera as well like obviously you have to be professional about it but we're not let's be honest we're not beat reporters we're not covering the teams so there doesn't need to be a, a level of impartiality there 
or an unbiased nature. Like we can have fun and, and part of my job is to make the viewers feel like I'm sitting on the couch with them, watching the highlights, talking about and reacting to the big sports stories. So for them to know what I'm a fan of, I think that's part of it because then they can relate to, oh, I'm a Jays fan too. And, you know, Kara's just as mad at Shapiro yeah. and Atkins as I am, you know? So I think that that's somewhere where I like where the industry is, is kind of evolving to is it's okay for people to be fans of teams and to be sports broadcasters. You don't have to hide that affiliation anymore. Absolutely. And that's one thing that I kind of want to mention as well. Like just, just to get a little bit of branch off it, because I know when we have, especially women in the media come on, we ask them a little bit about that because it seems like, and again, I don't want it to come into a different or, you know, try to make it sound mean or hateful or anything. But like if a man came across on the media and, you know, you found out that they liked the Detroit Red Wings, no one bats an eye. But as soon as just say Kate Burness posted she's a Chicago Bears fan, or if you came across and said you're a Steelers fan, it's almost like some people get a little bit of backlash of like, I don't want to hear your favoritism towards that. But do you ever find that kind of a backlash because specifically when you're a woman in the media? Not in that respect. I mean, there's definitely different hurdles you have to to jump and cross as a female in a, a male-dominated sports industry. But that hasn't been one of them. I haven't noticed anyone really caring what teams I cheer for. If anything, I get people chirping me, like you would any fan of a, a rival team. But no, I, I haven't uh, I haven't noticed anything like that. Like People will definitely jump on you for other things. Being a female, like I find they're very quick to point out if you do make a mistake. People see it as a badge of honor if they can be the one to point out when you said the wrong thing or got a stat wrong or something like that. But I've never had anyone come back at me for the teams I cheer for. If anything, it's just some good-natured kind of jine. But it's been pretty okay in that respect. The last thing I want to mention here as well is, you know, with doing all the interviews, with doing TSN, if there are young people that wanted to get involved in the media, like young journalists, young females, males, uh, what is some sound advice that you would give to them? Huh, it's a tough industry right now. I always feel bad when people contact me and they're like, what, what should I do to get a job in the industry and I mean it's such a fun industry to work in but it's it's a tough industry right now and I do think it'll come around I think it's just a bad time right now we're seeing a lot of layoffs over the last few years I think they're probably more coming you know just across the industry just because we're trying to figure out this jump into streaming and people aren't consuming their sports the same way anymore I think once we get that figured out it'll be fine and everything will come around again and and the sports industry will be thriving or broadcast will be thriving but I think right now it's just in a weird kind of gray area where we haven't quite figured out you know the CRTC and certain rights laws haven't figured out or caught up to how people are consuming their sports yet so I would say keep at it you might be volunteering for a while or or hustling for a little while but I mean, the number one thing in this industry is there is no room for people who aren't willing to work hard. I can tell you that. Like, there are very few people who kind of skate by just on who they know or who they're related to or things like that. Like, it's, it's so competitive and you're asked to do so much in so many different areas that you have to be a hustler to be successful at it. So, first and foremost, like, I mean... My mantra has always been, there's going to be someone who is better on camera than me. There's going to be someone out there who reads better highlights than me. There's going to be someone who can interview an athlete better than me. But as long as I feel like I'm working harder than other people, then I'm happy. Because that's all I can control. I can't control if somebody's more talented than me or, you know, 
is more well connected or, or such and such, but I can't control how hard I work. So I would say just be willing to really put in the work and to be patient because, I mean, I certainly didn't think it would take three and a half years of, of volunteering before I got my first paid on air gig. And that was an easier time to get on air jobs. So it, be willing to do anything that's asked of you. No job is too small and no job will ever be too small. I mean, I certainly see people who have been in the industry for a while and you start to think you're above certain things. No one's above anything. Just keep keep grinding it and keep putting as many things on your resume as you can because the more versatile um, that you can make yourself, the better. And not to be completely doom and gloom, like there are bright sides mm-hmm. to how the industry is right now. I mean, there's also opportunities for people that never existed before. Like when I was first coming out, there wasn't the opportunity to get yourself out there online and solely online. You know, you were kind of at the mercy of who would give you a job and who would give you a shot on camera. Now, anybody can go out and buy their own camera and upload their own videos and put it on YouTube. And YouTube is just as strong as consuming regular cable right now. So if it's something you really want to do, like I look at people like you and who take the initiative and start their own podcasts and do their own web series and start Insta stories and different things online, you have the ability to do that now. That didn't exist 10 years ago. So there is also some really cool avenues that people can explore and, and kind of take hold. But again, you have to be a hustler and you have to be willing to make your own opportunities. So there's good and bad to the industry right now, but the common thread is it's not going to be easy. It's anything that's worth working for never is so um i'd say just keep your nose down to the ground and keep working hard and know your stuff like there's never it's never a bad thing to be over prepared and over educated so the more you know the more situations that you're going to be prepared for and it really is just what is what's the old saying hard work meets up luck is when hard hard work meets opportunity or something like that that really is the case in, in broadcasting because you work as hard as you can and prepare as hard as you or as much as you can and you just wait and you bide your time until the opportunity comes and then you just have to make sure you're ready for it yeah I re- that that's really sound advice i really like how you kind of implemented it all in there of uh, like you know hard work and because i know some people will say that it's okay if you know someone in the industry and you get by that way but i like how you kind of wrap that in there as well i don't know if you are you a fan of late night television like, I, like, I like, mean, I'm on. I'm I'm on the late night television. So. Like, like the the like the late night talk shows, like the Conan O'Brien. I don't get a chance. I love them. I think they're great. I never get a chance to watch them anymore because we go live at one a.m. So I'm always at <laughs> I'm always at work, but I do enjoy those because quite a bit. Because what you said is kind of reminded me of what Conan said when he had the Tonight Show, where it was like you know, no one in life gets exactly what they thought they were going to get, uh, but if you work hard and you're kind, amazing things will happen. Because I like when you were saying that, I felt. Like this was like the Carol Waglands. Um, oh, really? Yeah, that's how it's I felt nice with Conan. Yeah, um, it's true. You always want to be. I think it's important to be someone that other people want to work with, and that's important. And regardless of who you're working at or what job they're doing, everyone's people. I spent years working eighty-hour work weeks, volunteering, working. I worked at bars for years overnight because that was, you know, I had to do my volunteering during the day. So I would work at bars at night and. I would work at TSN during the day and I would drive out to Kitchener and work at CTV on the weekends and volunteer at Rogers and you fit in every last hour you can. And that's what I mean by grinding because, I mean, everyone's going to have to go through it, whether it's for one year or three years or six months. There's going to be a period of time where you're going to have to find a way to make ends meet and, and make a living, but also be doing something to getting you towards that goal. And that's where it's easy to give up. There's a lot of people 
they get into a job and they're making money and they're comfortable um, and they still want to do something in the industry, they still want to get there, uh, but you you have to stay active. You have to keep getting those reps in some way and it can be frustrating because you feel like you've been working for free and you feel like you're not making inroads. A lot of the time it's just keeping yourself fresh and keeping yourself ready so when that opportunity comes, you're ready to jump on it. Because if you know if if you haven't done anything in the industry for a year and all of a sudden a job opening comes up, you're not going to be able to convince that person that you're ready for the job when you haven't been doing anything for a year. So it may seem pointless all the time and you may seem like you're on this hamster wheel just doing the same thing over and over again, but I promise you it will pay off when the opportunity comes. You just got to keep yourself fresh and learning and, and current. And what we're going to do with that, we're going to put some like really sad classical music there and we're going to use that as a very inspirational music quote. <laughs> And that's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Kara Waglin for coming on the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying, thanks for listening, and good night. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.